The debate over the federal government's proposed super changes has quickly slipped into accusations of class warfare. The plan to double tax on super contributions in accounts with a balance of more than $3 million will affect some 80,000 people. 60% of those are men. It's a reminder that your gender may impact how much money you earn and also how much money you'll have when you retire. The Minister for Finance and the Minister for Women, Katie Gallagher, is our guest this morning. Welcome back to Breakfast. Thanks for having me on, Patricia. The average man will retire with 28% more in his super account than uh, the average woman. How do you plan to make super more equitable for women? Yeah, I mean, it's a... um you know, the issue of gender equality isn't just about super in this country. We we do have a problem. Uh, women are more educated than men, but uh, we work less, earn less, have less savings, less super and less assets. And women over the age of 60, um, you know, are some of the, well, the, the most vulnerable uh, group in a sense of being the highest group moving into homelessness sector. Um, so there's a whole range of issues around how we deal with women and women's earnings and women's economic independence. In relation to super, um, I think there's a couple of things that we're trying to do. One of the big issues around super is the fact that women earn less. Um, And so closing the gender pay gap is a really important part of that. We've got a bill in the parliament right now, which looks to um, accelerate the closing of the gender pay gap, which sits at about 14 or 15%. Um, So that's an important issue. The second one I would also say is dealing with some of the wages in these feminised industries like aged care. So, you know, lifting the wages where we see large um, amounts of women in the workforce. In aged care, I think it's in about 95% of the workforce are women. Uh, Obviously, they will get a substantial pay increase. If you get that pay increase, that affects your super over time. So there's those things. And then there's the other issues, which we've made no secret we would like to do when we make room in the budget, which is looking at how we ensure for those gaps in women's earnings and when they're on leave, when they're on, you know, parental leave, things like that, Yeah. Uh, that we pay super. And we well, would, that, we've made no secret of the fact we would no. like to do that. Yeah. But liking to do it and then doing it is a different thing. Last month, the Treasurer admitted the budget won't be back in balance for at least the next four years. So when will the right time be? I mean, given the trajectory of the budget and uh, the broader issues there, the Treasurer says we'll, we'll do it when we can afford it. When do you think you'll be able to afford it? Uh, well, these are all the matters that are currently before us. I mean, my job as the Finance Minister is to look at how we... Uh, repair the budget over time with savings um, and I, that's a big part of my job at the moment to make room for these priorities. Um, you know, it is it is something we want to do. We've made no secret about that. You know, we are the party of superannuation. We recognise there's this big issue with women's earnings in the super sector. So we're dealing with things outside of that. As I said, gender pay gap, looking at how we get wages moving. Uh, and then, you know, how we kind of reprioritise inside the budget to make room for all these priorities, just as we did in October. That's part of the work we're doing in in May uh, for the May budget. Uh, and it remains on the table. I mean, this... <laughs> when would you like to May. do it? Well, I would like to do it now, right? I, I think oh, I would have liked that it was done 10 years ago. Um, but the reality is we've got a $50 billion structural deficit um, for as far as the eye can see, the pressures on the budget aren't 
um, lessening, they're intensifying. And those are in those areas that I know you and Jim and I talk about all the time, which is, you know, defence, aged care, health, um, all of those, and the NDIS, all of those areas where we've got intensifying pressures, we've got to look at how we manage the budget sustainably. That's part of the announcement we made on super a couple of days ago okay. is, is an attempt to start um, doing that, but also how we reprioritise within the budget. And that's hard as well. Well, that's that's an interesting point you make. Allegra Spender was on 7.30 last night and she said that this superannuation policy is just one part of of looking at the overall scheme and then and you've kind of closed the door and boxed yourselves in saying this is it for this term. But if you're actually trying to make the system more equitable, don't you need to have a broader look? The Treasurer talked about a conversation, but that conversation's already been shut down. Well, I think the conversation about the budget sustainability is, is ongoing. I mean, we are making... But on superannuation tried- reform, this is just one small policy. It's- it's, it's a not- small but meaningful um, difference over time. Like it's two, it, it raises two billion dollars a year once once it's fully operational. That is not an insignificant amount when you're looking at at you know I think raising extra revenue into to go into budget repair. So I mean, as finance minister, I I mean part of my job is to look at existing expenditure and how we're uh, deploying that and whether there's opportunities within that as well. And you'll know that in the last budget, you know, some of the um, half of the um, savings that we provi- we found was to actually reprioritise within the budget. And that's an important thing too. Um, so it's not an, it's not a one, I guess, how we look at budget sustainability over time isn't just looking at one part of the budget. It's looking at the whole part of the budget and reprioritising within it. Okay, so the superannuation policy is one part. What else would you look at then, Minister? Well, what I'm, I'm just talking about then is is our existing expenditure. It's a huge budget. Um, there's a lot of money going around. I think we want to focus on evaluating, you know, programs as, as they exist. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying there's anything jumping out that we can say, oh, we can stop doing that. But it is, you know, we are determined to be responsible budget managers and part of that is having a look at what we're currently doing, um, mindful of the pressures that are coming our way. We have inherited a budget mess. I, you know, It's worthy of a whole show on, on some of the issues in the budget, including terminating measures, fiscal cliffs, you know, policy um, areas that just weren't attended to in the last budget that are now coming home to roost, including you know, how we resource the public service. I mean, we have inherited all of this and now we're going through it bit by bit, looking at how we can make some sensible changes um, to ensure budget repair so that we can fund those things that people really value, like health, like aged care, like dealing with these um, gender inequality issues in super. They are all you know, front and centre of every okay. discussion we have at the ERC. Now, obviously, this superannuation change that you've announced over $3 million for accountants, over $3 million, that kicks in after the next election, right? And you've obviously done that to craft a way of dealing with any accusations that you have broken an election promise. So why not legislate it after the election too, to be really consistent with that idea of of actually honouring your promise? Well, as you say, it will come in after the election, but I think... But it will take a government if... That, sorry, I don't mean to be rude, mm. but if someone else was elected, yeah. like the, the Liberal Party, they'd have to repeal it. So it's actually, it does take them having to be very active about taking it out of the system because you're building it in before an election. 
Yeah, and we've made the announcement that that is uh, the government's policy decision. That's the decision we've taken, and now we would legislate that. Um, what future governments do um, on that, whether the opposition, if they were elected, want to um, change that, yes, they would have to repeal that if, you know, we get it through the parliament this term. But I think that's only, it's normal practice for a government that's made a decision um, that requires legislation to then legislate and make sure that, make it clear that that is the government's policy and we intend on implementing it. Minister, a couple of other questions. A parliamentary panel has called for the coalition's controversial Parents Next scheme to be abolished and replaced. Now, that scheme helps parents with children under six to plan and prepare for future study or employment. It's been uh, criticised heavily in the past. Will you look to abolish it? This is a program that certainly has come to me as Minister for Women from a lot of stakeholders in the women's sector concerned about it, particularly about the punitive side of that program where um, young uh, parents, um, single parents get lose entitlements for not doing, um, you know, attending a certain parenting class or, or whatever um, the requirements are. So it certainly is on my radar as Minister for Women. Um, it's been raised with me by leading women advocates. Um, this report came down yesterday. I've had a quick look at it. It's got a lot of recommendations uh, there, which we'll uh, work through. So we'll have to take those decisions, but we are aware of the concerns in the program. And I think we want to make sure that we're not penal penalising women um, unfairly, uh, but also that we are providing the right support for them when they're parenting young children. So, Do you see uh, it as I'm a sense of urgency around this program, given, as you say, all the advocacy you've heard um, from women that this is not working and it's punitive? Yeah, I think we, well, I think, you know, it's certainly on our, on the table in front of me. Um, Tony Burke actually referred it to that committee. So I know it's come through his area as well. Um, and we need to have a look at this report and then take some decisions. But I'm not sure it's an either or. I think there is there is also support for making sure we are supporting um, parents with children um, to make sure they're getting access to services as well. So we'll just work through that, Patricia. But yes, it's definitely been raised with me as particularly the punitive side of losing money um, when you're already, you know, living hand to mouth and trying to raise children. I think there is a real question over that. Yesterday, we saw the economy grew half a percent in the December quarter, lower than expected, and showing the economy starting really to slow down, savings ratios also down. Is that enough for the RBA to hold off increasing interest rates further, given families are suffering um, immensely, it seems? Well, I think the decisions of the Reserve Bank are independent of government, so I'll leave those uh, to them. But I would say that looking at the national accounts yesterday, difficult set of numbers, and I think the numbers speak to people's experience, you know, real-life experience at the moment, which is the cost of living pressures. So you are seeing the economy moderating as expected. Um, inflation still remains a key challenge uh, that we are trying to manage as well through our budget. Um, but you can see through, you know, households are saving less and spending more that, uh, you know, that households are doing it tough. Um, and that's, you know, how we manage some of those cost of living relief is a really central part to our budget considerations now. How do we make a real difference uh, without fueling inflation um, is part of our economic plan. So, you know, you'll see some of that energy relief come in, the childcare um, uh, savings will come in in this budget, you know, in 1st of July. So there is 
um, support and assistance on the way, which will make a structural difference to how we deliver services, but also make a difference to people's households. Minister, you're also the Minister for Finance. Uh, Australia Post is also one of the things you overlook. Does that mean that you think we have to say goodbye to letters? No, I don't think, no, it's not goodbye to letters, but there's certainly some modernisation work that has to happen for Australia Post for it to remain this iconic uh, national institution in our country. The reality is people are sending less letters um, and the Post has to deal with that and, you know, make sure that it can deal with it in in a commercial way. You know, um, we can't have it fall back onto the budget to require assistance. Um, so we, we're pretty keen for this work to continue. Australia Post have been doing this, obviously, and talking with stakeholders, but this is the next stage of making sure we consult and people have a, have the opportunity to raise their views about how to make sure Australia Post remains a strong, um, iconic company that it is. Katie Gallagher, thanks for your time. Thanks so much, Patricia. That's the Minister for Finance and Women, Katie Gallagher. You're listening to ABCRM Breakfast. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.